It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop building the game with Jason and friends. It's at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Podcast. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is episode six hundred and one. And you're listening to, gosh, I'm sorry, y'all. I've not screwed up the intro this bad in probably a year and a half or two years. If you don't want to edit this, you can just, (laughs) we'll, we'll think I may, I may not just show everyone the week we're having. So, all right. Hello and welcome. Well, it does fit perfectly into our topic today. It does. It does. So, uh, should I even rehearse before I podcast? No, um, nope. Don't even rehearse. I don't even know how to do a podcast when I started podcasting. We just started, but we just recorded ourselves and hoped it would work. That's right, man. I'm not saying it did, but we've been doing it for a long time. So anyways, hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, December 4th, and you're listening to episode 601. As always, I am your host, Jason, here today with two awesome designers who you heard speaking a minute ago. Uh, That is Ashwin Kameth and Connor Wake. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having us. It's great to have y'all. Recently. um, PAX Unplugged. Yeah, fresh from PAX Unplugged, theoretically. Uh, That's where we just came from. So we're recording this uh, two weeks beforehand uh, because episode 600 was coming out uh, just before, um, which has been in the bag for a bit. And then, um, yeah, with the holiday and the travel and everything, we thought, let's just get this done ahead of time. So that's what we're doing. Uh, and that way, anything stupid we say, no one can hear till after PAX, and that'll be great. And we also can't <laughs> learn any lessons from PAX. Uh, actually, now that I think about it, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. How I was, was everyone's say. PAX, by the way? <laughs> Fantastic. I, I just time. played published games. No, dis- no playtester. None of that whole design stuff. Just oh, really? Yeah. yeah wow. That's- that's just one tweet, just one tweet made you, or one comment on Discord made you flip your mind and be like, oh, that sounds good. <laughs> or it could have been the fact that, you know, um, the feedback from a lot of publishers was, uh, we don't want to look at games, yeah. so why make games? <laughs> let's be let's be salty about it, yeah. Um, I'm not salty, I'm just saying. <laughs> no, no, no. I think There's... I'm in the acceptance phase. Um, uh, yeah. um, <laughs> I've come to the realization back. that it's like, I can actually just chill and hang out with people and have a nice time instead of being like business meetings. Oh God, let me run all over the place and panic about how I'm looking and talking and pitching. Oh, and I was, I was telling my wife about it. I was like, yeah, you know, I said, I said, I actually was way behind in reaching out to publishers because of school stuff. I'm in grad school and, uh, and, um, and I was like, but it turns out that no one wants to meet with anyone anyways. So I don't have any meetings and it looks like pretty much no one else does or very few, She's like, isn't that kind of one of the reasons you go? And I was like, I mean, yeah, yeah. technically, but you know, I mean, in this case, we'll still get some playtesting in because I am not just playing published games. I'm going to play at least one. I'll have at least tried out um, Sushi After Dark uh, a couple times because I have a table for that, and I'm going to do that. Uh, but beyond sushi that, after dark. Sushi After Dark. It is a game oh, where man. you put together 3D printed pieces of sushi. Doop. This and, is a visual show, know, Jason. Yeah, listen. <laughs> they've already heard this before, okay? They are listening. 
Uh, look at, and then you put in these little pieces here, like, and you make a whole sushi roll, or well, one piece of sushi. Um, and then, uh, but you do that blindfolded because uh, the power went out. So hence, sushi after dark. So oh. you are, you look at the ingredients uh, that you need with a flashlight. You know, I mean, you just look at it, right? Then you put the blindfold on, and then you have to make the sushi in the dark. So, I mean, the flashlight oh, could be a little peephole you have to look through, like a little toilet roll tube. <laughs> That's actually kind of funny, yeah. <laughs> I'm probably not going to start with that. Really, I just want to see how the game feels with people trying fair. to put stuff together. Uh, this was a game designed uh, primarily by my daughter, uh, who is nine. Um, nice. She brought it to me and was like, I want to make a game about sushi and putting it together blindfolded. And I was like, we can work with that. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I so kind of love the idea of playtesters putting used paper roll tubes like, on their head. <laughs> well, I mean, what other kind are there? I mean, like, what, are you going to like buy a new roll of toilet paper? Well, you shred could all the toilet paper off and like get the tube? Wrapping paper. No, you said honor. toilet no, paper tube. No. To be clear, you said toilet okay. paper tube. <laughs> and then used wrapping tape paper tubes? Gross, Connor. <laughs> more, oh. more gross. Yeah, okay, you're right, you're right. Germs. Never mind. I'm going to put something by my eye. It better than sitting within, you know, 12 inches of a toilet for a long time. That's going to be great. <laughs> oh. I never thought about that. Anyway. I actually, you know what's funny? I actually, so in my garage, I have a box of over 100 toilet paper rolls. <laughs> No, no, let me explain. It's the truth, but there's good reason for it. So we go camping a lot and I was at a camp store one time and, you know, we would always buy fire starters, which are expensive, you know, mm -hmm. um, just because it's nice to just, you know, light something and then build a little fire around it, you know, build, put sticks around it and let it light up. And, uh, and one of the stores, somebody had taken toilet paper rolls um, and then they put a bunch of shredded paper inside and then they had just covered them with wax uh, and you just throw that in the bottom of the fire pit, stack everything over it, light it, and it just burns. And I was like, right. this is genius. So the kids and I, like I went out, found a bunch of old candles that we had, bought an old pot uh, for cooking at like a garage sale for like 50 cents. Um, and then uh, staved toilet paper roll tubes for quite a while. Uh, and then uh, we made like 100 of them. Uh, and, but we still have like a hundred left. We're actually out of them. We have to make them over the winter again, but it's cost nothing. And we have these fire starters that are actually amazing, uh, at starting fires. So you light them one end and, uh, because a lot of the candles were scented candles, it's got a really weird aroma <laughs> when you start the fire. Sometimes you're like, Hmm, that's lavender. Is that pine? What is that? Like, you know, vanilla. What do I smell there? Yeah. So yeah, it's good times. Eagle's got over here. I love making <laughs> fires. I use I use that trick in it all the time. The toilet paper rolls with the oh, wax yeah. and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah, I do enjoy making fires. And sometimes, if I have time, like, and I'm not in a hurry, like I'll really do the like, you know, like shaving off like from a log to get like the real fine pieces to like get it started and stuff. But when I'm in a hurry, I just use the fire starter and uh, toss it in there. But I don't feel bad because I literally watch people at the campsites pull out a blowtorch uh, <laughs> and start fires with that. Like consistently. Yeah. yeah. I mean, however you want to camp or glamp or jam. Yeah. Uh, I listen and I can't judge. We're absolutely glamping. We have a big, ridiculous camper that is, I laugh because I say it's, it's bigger space than the first apartment we lived in. And while that's not true, um, it it's, it's close. <laughs> so. One of my former roommates, uh, and their uh, his wife uh, 
they always wanted to go camping. They tried twice or three times uh, in the span of like seven years. And they got all the emergency preparedness kits. They got all like the, all the knives for shipping out wood and everything. And um, the moment a little bit of rain happened, they're just like, nope, we're good. And then they drove all the way back home. Like oh all the three and a half hours. <laughs> That's crazy. Dark. They you know, like, you know, uh, assembled the, the tent the wrong way. They went all the way in. They wanted to do the emergency survival experience. And then, like, nah, that didn't but happen. But they were like, the apocalypse, it, it was not advertising that it would have rain. It was supposed to be what a about warm, survive. What about a warm room in a, a nice blanket? You know? Yeah, yeah. That is the best of both worlds because I can walk outside and have a nice camping thing. Or I can go inside and I can take a hot shower. And it's pretty great. So, and, uh, yeah. Like, and I... My wife and I, like, we both camped uh, when we, we were first together, when we were, we were together in high school. Like, we would camp a bunch. We camped, you know, in tents, in crappy places. Then we got a little camper, and now we have a big camper. And I feel like we've earned those steps up by putting in the hours of, like, all of the other <laughs> camping that was, like, not comfortable over the years. So um, so I don't, I don't feel bad about that. Like, I'm proud to be glamping now. I'm in my 40s. It's, it's, it's fair, you know. It's fantastic. And, um, Connor, I think we're going to transition soon to the topic <laughs> at hand, but like, um, that's why I, I, I also feel like maybe you and I like, uh, click on like those reality TV shows. Cause like you can kind of vicariously like see yourself doing them. So like survivor for me, I could see myself crushing it, at least in the survival part or the amazing race, at least like crushing it in terms of talking to strangers part, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Transition. Oh, we should talk about the Amazing Race and Survivor on one of these episodes sometime. Yeah. But anyway, not the current topic. Yeah, the current topic. I think, like, I think real quick. I think like probably <laughs> like four hundred episodes ago, we talked about reality TV like, okay. as a thing. I mean, like it was a long, long, long time ago. Mm. But I'm pretty sure we did talk about that one time, probably you know seven, eight years ago. So it's due. We could totally talk about that again. Yeah. Connor's Billy, always Billy planning his next history. trip on. What was that? Building the game history buffs, can we point to the exact episode and timestamp? <laughs> no, no, no one knows that. That's that is lost. Um, that is um, that's gone. So, but I will annoyingly, as Connor introduces the topic, see if I can find the name of the episode because it might that might have been back when we were actually doing titles that made sense instead of the titles <laughs> I do now that are just jokey titles uh, that don't have anything. So, Connor, why don't you introduce our uh, our thing? Yeah. So, on that note. Um, the topic was basically inspired by a couple of things. Uh, one, I've had a busy summer, um, house caught fire. Then we had to move. Thank you, Ashwin, for <laughs> helping move a lot of that stuff out. Um, Boys and go. then we, yeah. And then we bought a house and then we moved into the house and then we adopted cats and then the window started leaking and then, you know. All that fun stuff. Um, so it's been busy. Um, and then I was also seeing some Facebook posts and BGG posts about people basically, uh, to sum it up, complaining about designers these days not playing enough board games <laughs> um, and not knowing uh, not knowing their history um, and stuff like that. And I was like, uh, I disagree. Um, I think- or at least like, I don't think... I think people are putting way too much pressure on this. But also, like, it is helpful to play lots of games, too. So I basically just wanted to talk about, like, I've got two perspectives here. 
one me i don't play i play more board games than most people i would assume just because i play them um but like i don't play a ton a ton especially recently it's been a moment um also because most of my time is spent designing games which i think we'll talk about later um and i think i'm i think i'm a pretty decent designer still (laughs) i think i'm doing okay um and then ashwin plays a lot more board games than me and i think it's also a pretty decent designer so just wanted to kind of talk about that like is it how important is it to play lots of board game published games how does playtesting like non-stop playtesting essentially crappy bad broken games sorry i swore um how does that affect us as designers uh, is that good is that bad what, did you just say crappy and then say sorry you swore does that not count as a swear word what did he just okay. call me pretty <laughs> well listen i know this is an audio show but you should all know that that ashwin is very pretty uh but crap <laughs> crap is not a swear word crap crap crappity crap my kid says crap perfect um, okay leave it in jason yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna we're gonna brave. get to the end and it's all gonna be bleeped and he's gonna be like i'm gonna bleep it way it's worse. gonna be a lot more funny right <laughs> bleep's not a swear word bleep 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 uh i'm not i don't have time for that otherwise i would <laughs> pretend i did that joke and think of how funny it would have been thanks perfect so anyway yeah so that's kind of what i want to talk about um just yeah and so yeah to kick it off it was the um it was it was a couple yeah the facebook posts where someone was like is it really important to like play lots of games not just like some games but like lots of games and every single comment of the like maybe a hundred maybe not hundred maybe like 50 comments was just like yeah you, you've got to like that's just how it works you can't be a designer unless you do that like what are you doing you lunatics like um and i was like okay strong strong feelings so to kick off and oh and then the other one was someone uh complaining about uh <laughs> They were on BGG, and they were complaining about a very well-known designer of a very, very popular game that has sold ton, like millions of copies, I'm assuming, um, having not played Istanbul, and being like, wow, he must actually be a really bad designer then. <laughs> and I know this was one person <laughs> saying this comment, but I was just like, okay, sure. But, that's, but then that I was is, like, but I yeah. don't play a ton of board games, and I'm doing this design thing, so like... How can we justify this? Or don't have to justify it, but like, you know, can we respond? <laughs> so anyway, uh, I'll, I'll leave that there. And curious what your thoughts are on that initial well, thing. As we all know on public forums, it's always a loud majority of people that <laughs> yeah. uh, scream the loudest. Um, and their opinions matter the most and they need to be heard and thumbs up uh, to be recognized and to feel galvanized that their comments matter. Um that's one dude, or that's one person, probably a dude. Um, and uh, for the most part, they're in our community, whether we like them or not. <laughs> so we have to appeal and or um, tend to those uh, types of members. Um, my opinion is probably going to uh, align with those forum warriors. Um, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> I stand proud in in terms of defining it as however you want to define your path. Uh, As a designer, as a game player, should you play a thousand games before you play another game? Probably. Or don't, you know? Should you make a thousand dishes before you make a dish as a cook, as a chef? Probably, but also, who cares? 
you could start somewhere, right? And that's how it should probably be. Like, you should start however you feel comfortable starting. You should do whatever you feel like doing to do it. And whatever makes you feel uh, the most uh, ambitiously invested in it, um, that's the answer. Like, there is no answer. In conclusion, end of podcast. Yeah, I think that was (laughs) that sums it up. Uh, So... Hey, if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach out. <laughs> bleep, 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 bleep. Um, yeah, I mean, I figured we'd be kind of in agreement on this, but, well, um, but oh, I won't fight oh, you. Oh, for wait, it. Jason's gonna fight us. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I, I don't, I don't care for people on the internet in general. Um, but uh, like mostly an internet says person. an internet personality. <laughs> um, so uh, here's here's the thing. Like, first of all, I I joined that board game group that you mentioned i I guess i won't say the name of it but did you say the name of it no then i won't say the name of it but i joined that group um i can if you want no it's no because i'm gonna say mean things so um like uh i don't i don't feel the need to call them out because this is just an opinion right like a lot of people seem to get a lot out of that and people are really excited about it and there are some pretty bigger name designers that i see in there making comments um uh, sometimes making not nice comments, but, um, anyways, like I just, I read that post and a couple of their posts and I was like, this is a cesspool. Like, this is awful. And then I read some more posts and it, they weren't so bad. There was one person who kept like, they were like, kept making comments and they were like, well, I'm, uh, I'm a contrarian, which is a coded word for being a <laughs> bleep hole is what that is. Like, so that person seemed to stop posting or at least maybe I stopped seeing their posts. But um, like I was reading the comments and I was just really frustrated because to me, all this type of thing is, is just another form of gatekeeping, right? It's just mm-hmm. another way to say you're not good enough to be a designer. I mean, I, when I started designing, um, this may be why I have such a feeling about this. And Connor, I told you this, but I don't think I've ever, I don't, I don't know that I've said this on the show. Maybe I have, but um, someone looked at like a game I was working on and they were like, or no, they, I think they commented a bit to the podcast. They were like, before you and Rob design any more games, I really think you should consider um, going and playing some more games so that you'll actually know what you're talking about. (laughs) And I was like, I don't remember what I said at the time. I I probably just said like, okay. Um, But, but in reality, like, the thing is like the point of the podcast was that we didn't know what we were doing. And that was Mm -hmm. the point is trying to learn as we go. Right. But that could have shut someone who was less, you know, less persistently annoying down. Like we could have been like, you know what? I don't think we should do this anymore because this person said that we're not good enough to do it. And maybe they're right. And maybe they were right. But I mean that why, like, like Ashwin said, why let that stop you? Right. Like you do the thing you want to do. Um, and so I, one of the things I want to point out though, with the comments, and this is the part where I'll disagree with you all. I won't, but the people in the comments will, Uh, but what they, some people said, tell me another profession where, because some people like, well, I don't play games because I want to like be different and I don't want to follow the well-trodden path. Right. And there were a lot of things back and forth for that, which maybe we'll talk about those. So I'm not going to go into that yet. But what I will say is somebody said, tell me another 
job or industry where you would purposely avoid getting information, data, or experience with other things in that industry to do your job. And I was, I feel like that's hard to argue with, right? Like that actually makes sense to me. Kind of. I, so listen, this is where I, I still yeah. think you shouldn't have to play a bunch of games. Just design yeah. games and do what you love. I, I think people are miss. On, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Is when I see those groups, first of all, yeah. So when I see those groups, a lot of the time, I feel like people just like to have a correct answer because then they can do the correct thing and become a great designer by doing that single thing correctly. Oh gosh, you can play. I've met people yeah. who have played. 10,000 games. Oh, I know. And they could some never people just want a, a simple answer of like how to become a game designer. Well, and, and one of and the that's easiest things is play tons of games. But Got that's me. what I'm trying to point out is that there's not a, like, we all agree yeah. that you don't need to play a ton of games. Nah. But I feel like that's a valid point of if you look at other industries, experience is a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. Knowledge is a good thing. That That's all. Yeah. And I think one way to look at it is because some people, and I'll get to that part later. Some people see it as like, before you start designing games, you should have played a lot of games and know all the mechanics. But like, that I disagree I feel like, with. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's for sure. Yeah, just wrong. That's um, gatekeeping. Because I think that is literally all that is. Part, yeah, I think the experience part can come way more fluidly. It's like they see it as like learn from games, design the games, and that's the process. Whereas it's not really that. Usually, it's more. Like, when you make your first food, it's probably just going to be mac and cheese, right, from a box, right? Cool. You've learned how to make mac and cheese. Great. Then you go taste better mac and cheese, and you're like, oh, how can I make a cheese sauce? Then you go make a cheese sauce. Then you make your own pasta. You know, it's like, it's a back and forth between, like, trying a thing, making the next thing, trying the thing, making the next thing. And it's like, you can play one game, or no games, design a game, go play some other games, come back, design your own game, and just bounce backwards and forwards forever like that that's how you'll get your experience like being like designing is experience as well <laughs> and playtesting other people's games and all that sort of stuff so i yeah so that's why I, I think you can get experience plenty of other ways other than just like playing lots of games like i don't think that matters you'll maybe get there you maybe won't maybe you'll just design something amazing the second or third go and perfect you found your niche and you're just gonna do it forever Whatever you want to do, yeah. Jason, uh, so much adoration and commends for getting to 601 podcasts. Cheer emoji, <laughs> you know, flex arm emoji. Uh, I feel like this is the part where you're hands. like, but you're stupid. <laughs> but you're stupid. No, no. <laughs> I mean, I disagree. Okay. 601 episodes, and we're still, you know, like, uh, talking over each other, learning new technology, um, getting reps of new things, getting in and out of new guests. Um, I did a, a podcast, syndicated podcast for like five years uh, um, and barely got to like 300 episodes, you know, and mm -hmm. we were still stumbling over each other. We were still trying to learn efficiencies, learn how to improve, learn how to iterate or innovate and the keywords innovate. And then I remember doing this with my same former roommate um, at the time, we tried to do a podcast together. And we got two episodes in because the whole time we were together looking at doing this, we spent all this time about like, what about this? What about this? But what if it sounds like this? Um, what if the art looks something different? Or what if we sound um, imperfect? You know, what if we have a, a balancing issue uh, from our microphones? 
And I was like, at one point, being like, hey, we're not going to get started. <laughs> Let's just right, try right, right. one episode. So we got two episodes in, and then we called it, you know? And um, I say all that because it's like, well, you could say, hey, play all these games in order to play te- or to just start, start designing. Um, you might not even ever get to that point. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm, and if mm-hmm. you have ideas, the easiest way to do anything is to just like, not just write them down, not just think about them, not just like take a shower thought, but actually like put it down to paper and or craft it. Uh, we have the luxury of doing something that's like kind of like, kind of like, uh, you know, uh, impartial to the world's like um, demise, right? It's just, it's just board games. Mm-hmm. It's just a healthy hobby that some people feel could be like surplus, right? It, it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. But the fact that um, we find value in it we can do what we want with it, and um, I guess the reason why we're get, oh, we're getting together to talk about this is kind of invalid to me because it's like some people are talking about it, some people are bashing it, some people are telling us how to do it, but they're not doing anything. They're just being loud mouth uh, pieces, <laughs> and then they're like eating their baked potato and mashed, you know, and and mac and cheese, right? That sounds delicious, though. It sounds amazing, and I'm not bashing it. That's I wasn't. Let's let's restart. Like, um, terrible uh, boxed uh, wine, which also sounds amazing. Shoot, Honestly, <laughs> so, depending so on I, the box I don't have I bad examples, it. right? I can't. Well, I can't take yeah. it. Yeah, I I see. I absolutely see what you're saying, and and I hear you, and I agree with you. You know, I to me, I see this you is, and I love you. Right. <laughs> thank you. This is how I think it works in a perfect world to me. Like, this is how I think. Like. So you start designing games when you're ready to start designing games. Who decides that? You decide that, right? Played one game. You played zero games. A long time ago, someone played zero games and designed a game because it was the, it was the first game, right? Maybe that game was good. Maybe that game wasn't. I don't know. But it, it doesn't matter if you've played games to design games, hands down. Your chances of designing, can you design a perfect, great game having never played a game? Yeah, sure. Why not? Can you not? Sure. Why not? Right. <laughs> but what I like is this, that I'm playing games, I'm designing games and I'm playing games at my leisure. I don't get to play a ton of published games because like Connor said, I don't have a lot of time for that. I've been trying to do more of it, not because I want to learn from them, but because I just like playing published games. Like I make games because I like games. But the the situation that I've always found really helpful is when you're trying to play a game and somebody says like you're trying to design a game and somebody says, have you played X? And you're like, no, I haven't. I haven't even heard of that game actually, you know? And there's that moment right there. And let's pretend that it's you, right? That you've said to me, have you played this game? And I say, I haven't even heard of that game that you can say, Oh my gosh, how are you even a designer? If you've ever played that game. And we've all had people say that to us. I mean, maybe not you all, but I've definitely had this. And I know a lot of other people that have, Or we can say, hey, you might want to check that game out. I think that that might give you some inspiration. You know, I even tell people like, hey, you can't play the game. Just go watch a tutorial of it online. Like go watch a Mm -hmm. playthrough or a tutorial of it. Check it out and see what it's like, you know. Or sometimes I'll just say, hey, in this game, people do X this way. That's how it works. That's how it's like your game um, for whatever that's worth. That's helpful to you, right? Those Mm -hmm. are the ways I think we can be positively encouraging and helpful in those situations. Um rather than raining on people's parade and saying, go do this. Because you're right. I, I I think that you're right that there are people sitting around not doing anything saying, do this better. This is my opinion, you know. 
Uh, and um, yeah, that was my soapbox <laughs> slash end rant. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I kind of figured we'd generally be on the same page. And I did want to just be like, hey, everybody, don't worry about those people. But then I also wanted to get into, okay, that aside, how is it affecting us? Because <laughs> I've, I've definitely run into the situation um, where I will accidentally design a published game. Um, because so I, I was trying to design a game about simultaneous bidding and I was like, oh, I just need some cards, uh, that have stuff on them just to test. Cause I'm terrible at coming up with content. And so I was looking around and I was like, oh, Sushi Go, I should get a copy of Sushi Go. That's got set collection cards. Easy. We'll just bid on those and then I'll figure out my cards later. And then I went on Amazon to look it up and then I saw Gonos for Donuts and I was like, oh, what's this game about? It was literally the game I was going to design. And it's basically the same sort of set collection thing. I was like, ah, okay, awkward. <laughs> and then I was chatting with a designer friend who's like, oh yeah, I demoed that game a ton. It's great. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> um, so it's definitely come back to bite me sometimes, but like, I, uh, okay, so, th- so, th- so where I'm coming from is like, I wouldn't have gone in that direction, I think, if I knew about that game. Because I have this weird thing where I just try to, maybe it's not weird. I have this thing where I just try to not be similar to lots of other games out there i just have an aversion to it i don't know if i succeed at that all the time but it usually ends up with me putting off designing a game because i'm like nah that's too close to that other thing that's boring i want to do something else and so not knowing tons of games actually kind of helps me um (laughs) i could get over my my thing and i'm slowly getting over it but on the other hand yeah well that's why i recently designed a game that i titled knizia like um so uh it's great uh so i slapped it together in 15 minutes and it works perfectly and it's a mathy game right i mean then yeah 15 minutes in <laughs> a math game i actually think you've uh you've cracked your code on that so is that a reference to the last podcast no no that was a podcast oh. to the fact that kinesia loves to design math games oh yeah well because the last one was the playing with you've got versus making mathy games and then you're like connor you make math oh yeah i don't think they're mathy games um okay anyway yeah so that's kind of my perspective i think it's not playing tons of games i think it's kind of helped me not get trapped in genres as much i accidentally fall into genres but like i don't most of my games don't fit into a super simple genre unless i'm like fine i'm gonna like scaffold this because i can't be bothered to think about them you know, I've had the similar experiences with two genres specifically, trick-taking and roll and rights. Um, I've been routinely told by people who've played a lot of both types of games, and I've actually played a lot of roll and rights because roll and write is, is probably my favorite genre currently, um, just because I, I like what, what gets done with it. Um, I played recently Dice Cards, the thing Chris Michaud had suggested. I bought that, and, and I like it. I think it's pretty good. But I also think good or bad, it's literally the pinnacle of what you could do with a roll and write. It's 50 roll and write games in one game that you play. And it's just, it's a genius idea, right? Um, but, but that aside, like what I found is that people have said, you know, Jason, roll and writes need to do this. <laughs> like they were like, roll and writes need to have reduced options as you play. Because that's how roll and writes work. That's why they're good. Or trick takers have to have this, 
They, they have to work in this way. And, and that is the type of thinking that we can get when we play too many games and then buy into the idea that that's how those games work, which is of course, pardon my French crap. And I think it stinks. Um, like, you know, um, it's, yeah, it's just, uh, like it's not useful. It's not helpful to anyone. Right. Would we say a certain genre has to work this way? But it also is helpful. <laughs> because yeah. I, with my Knizia game, my Knizia-like game, I s designed it in quote-unquote 15 minutes because I slapped together all the stuff that I knew functioned already and put my own little spin on it at the end that made it a Connor game instead of a Knizia game. But <laughs> I also agree with what you just said before as well. So... Ashwin, like trick takers, went to a trick taking convention, right? Yeah, <laughs> nice. A whole convention. Um, Segue. How convention. old were those people? Uh. <laughs> is that a thing? I. This is why I say that I'm from Michigan. Classic uh, trick taker games are life here. Yeah, and like, I mean, like Pinnacle is not a young movie, man's game. It's yeah. just not like. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not being like ageist. I'm just saying. I just didn't know that was a thing. I they were all my age. So, so I don't so know what your out. age is. I don't know what your age is. You're too beautiful for me to know what your age that's is. That's right. I like that you went full circle. Anytime you want to talk about that, about my appearance. <laughs> I'm going to keep bringing it up. Um, okay. I feel Tell like us about you, this. Can, you yeah. can put a kettle on if you want and uh, listen to me um, explain a few things here. First thing is, I feel like I've evolved quite a bit um, just through um, genetics, but also um, I think I may have been at one point as a playtester, someone who said these words, I think train games should be like this. And this is why, and this is why your game is not like those train games. I think trick takers have these kind of core principles and this trick taker isn't kind of doing its service right so i um have evolved from that to like point out uh none of those facts i am just a person in a chair playing their game it's up to them to like really do their research or do their due diligence or honestly it's not even up to them it's like they're making the game how they want to make their game that's it it doesn't matter there's so many forms of flattery and mimicry in the world right but like um it does help to get like inspiration. It does help to have a groundwork. It does help to like have some sort of frame for a game when you're stuck, when you're in a rut, uh, to um, look at examples, look at references, and look at past um, um, successes. The same part is like, yeah, um, you. I, I think you're you're such a strong designer, uh, uh, Connor. And your 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 statement about like you you want to uh, drift uh, astray from like the common uh, median of game design types is so valid, right? Um, and then there's this like other uh, point of view where I heard uh, verbally from a friend who's a very successful game designer um, say that they don't really drift too far apart from what's trending or what is the norm. Um, and it's just to kind of iterate on what is and present something somewhat fresh with the same genre. And um, then I was like thinking, what are we doing 
in this hobby? Are we game designing to game design? Are we designing to design? Are we designing to make money? Are we designing to make a, a product that sells to the masses? Um, and I, I go through these like, you know, thought streams all the time. What am I doing in this space? You know, what can I do to benefit myself, but also as like posterity for the future generation, what can I do? You know, like, am I just a community builder? Am I just a play tester? Am I a designer? Am I all these things? And when I, and I say all these things to say, like, it really ultimately doesn't matter, but like some people will make it about their business to say, this game is like this game and this game cannot perform because of this, of this, that, and the other, or this game is a, is an a, a exact mimicry of this game. Please change this game because you're going to get ridiculed. And I learned there was like this, um, there's this, um, deduction kind of, uh, trope in, in games, uh, social deduction games. I've learned that social deduction players, enthusiasts, love social deduction games that are like other social deduction games. They don't need big twists. They don't need big fancy things. They love that core principle of I look up at you and I and I just talk at you and I make you suss and mm -hmm. I suss out who is the traitor mm -hmm. and or person with the briefcase uh, or you know what I mean or who has the red card you know. Um, and when I was like, I remember saying this years ago and also probably even recently, like. Hmm, this game feels like this game. And they're like, yeah, we know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, wh wh why w should we grandstand? Why should we post on a comment thread uh, about, like, um, how people should act and design? It's like, it's their path. It's their journey. It's their um, mm -hmm. way to find success in what they're doing. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's like, if you want to be in conversation with the genre tropes in the genre... Yeah. you probably want to know who you're talking to as in like the other games yeah but if you don't care about like responding to some other game then you don't need to have play the game but like i i i do this sometimes where i'm like i'm playing the game and i'm like okay i'm clearly out of my depth other genres others in the genre have figured this out maybe i should finally go play them and i think i did this recently i messaged Ash and it's like hey i should probably play lost cities finally <laughs> Because I was making yeah. a game about runs of numbers and stuff, and and that was just very helpful. But it's like very easy to just have a back catalog of like, well, I know this game kind of functions like this, and I will come to it later if I ever need to, <laughs> rather than doing it the other way around, which is like play every game ever and try and cover all your bases and hope it works out. So mm -hmm. it's like I've gotten more use out of just reading people's top 10 lists not because i think top 10 lists are the best thing ever or anything but just i can get a broad quick note of like oh those games do that okay cool come back to it later if i ever need that right do i ever need to design a train game and i want to care about that sort of thing cool top 10 train games i'll go have a look and i'll play maybe one i think ashwin can tell you how train games are supposed to work i heard him say that <laughs> oh yeah you want to know how train games are supposed to work yeah <laughs> i do have to say ashwin that there is not another genre I can think of that is more like you just mentioned with social deduction, where literally mm. players want the same thing, only different. Like they want the exact same thing with a slight yeah. twist. Um, and slight twists are like my specialty. So like, that's why I think I find social deduction games, super engaging and easy to design because for me, it's like, okay, well here's the, here's what has to happen in the game. And then let's add a twist. Right. I mean, that's 
all know context is. It's like, we're going to help you figure out who's who. Like, that's, you know what I mean? It's like, so um, in several other games I've worked on, or all of that, and you're right. There's so many parts of it that are exactly the same. Um, but yeah, some of those genres, I think that just works. Um, mm-hmm. That said, I haven't played a ton of social deduction games because once I played a couple, I felt like I'd played them all. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe they've iterated, a, 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 you know, uh, upon su- such examples that you've played. I think Blood on the Clock Tower is the most like recent or most popular example that I have not played. I don't think I want to sit down in a room full of 30 people to do that game, but I've seen a version of it and it seems exciting. It seems worth uh, uh, those people who like that genre to experience. You know, um, <laughs> like, I, I feel like I align with Connor on a lot of reasons why I'm in design. Um, by the way, I've been in design my whole life, really, it feels like, but like in game design, I want to feel like I'm sparking innovation. I'm sparking something new to the genre and I don't need anyone to really say, yes, that's awesome. Or yes, that's exciting. I just want to be part of that, uh, that aspect of game design. I don't think I want to make another cookie cutter game Mm -hmm. or another game Mm -hmm. about matching or, you know, but I wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind. (laughs) <laughs> stripping a mechanic from a really heavy 18xx game and trying to make an auction game out of it and failing <laughs> miserably uh, for a year and a half, or I wouldn't mind like taking a mechanic from a really you know kind of simpler game like Similo, <laughs> a party game, and like turn it into a very complex series of mechanisms uh, just to see if that could chain or waterfall into something really fun. And but that's me. That's me. I'm my own little individual journey of design exercises. And um, some people really just want to make the next sorry. You know, some people just really want to make the next uh, puzzle matching game. You know, like, let them have that. Um, Those are mass market designers? (laughs) (laughs) Or, I mean, that's maybe all they know, you know. There's also nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. Greedy Granny is a fun game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a it's a blessing and a curse. Like I have I have so much time. Some of it's filled with, or most of it's filled with game design and sleeping and and whatever. But um, and the other parts of it is like, so when I play all these games, it's a curse in the sense that now I'm thinking about those games as other design <laughs> um, references and points to index or, oh, remember how fun that was? What if I literally take that and put that in this game? And then I'm just sitting here spinning in circles with mechanics and sitting in circles with game ideas and concepts and my list of game designs to get to are growing and growing and I'm never getting one done. Ashma, this is real. Stop, uh, <laughs> stop talking and work. Uh, but, uh, I'm sure like, you know, the opposite is also true. Like you are, um, designing without reference points and you are just going on gut instinct and you're going on creativity through yeah. thought. Um, it, it is tricky sometimes because I, I'm like, yeah, I don't think you need to play games to design games or talk about that. But like, it's helpful to have reference points and inspiration, and just so it doesn't take so damn long, <laughs> like to figure stuff out. And and I feel like I've slowly just relied on other things because also the other reason I don't play time games, I just. I'm a generally tired person with not a lot of energy. I've talked about that previously mm-hmm. and I just have other hobbies I like to do as well. And it, so I just don't always have the time or energy. 
So I try to get it through other places. And one of the things I found that's fun, that's actually sparked a lot of inspiration is just seeing, scrolling through pictures of games that are set up and just being like, oh, I think this is how that game works. Game design idea. I like that. That's fun. Right? Because like, then you let your brain just kind of fill in the gap. It's a little bit of inspiration. It's a little bit of trying to make the game intuitive, right? And just... Yeah, so that's like one way I've done it. The other way is like, there's a couple review channels. Channels uh, board game ramblings does this Keeper Cull series. Um, yeah. Have you seen that with the paddle? With the paddle, <laughs> yeah. Um, I watched that one because um, the the context is they're going through their whole collection of 600 games. They were going to do it in a year. They started three years ago or something. Um, they've got too many games because they're reviewers, and they they do like two minutes max per game. And it's just, we played it once, we're going to keep it, or we're going to cut it. And we're just going to talk about that, and we're going to move on. And like each episode, they've got eight games or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that's just kind of nice to get like a quick gist, because they don't really go into the mechanics or anything. They just kind of go into how they felt about the game. Um, and so it's very high-level stuff. And so that I also find pretty helpful, just to, like, I can kind of get the gist of how people feel about things in a like 20 minute video um for a whole bunch of games and then i can go reference those games later so that's like another way i kind of patch my my gaps i don't think i need to play the games i i can get some creative inspiration from just like surface level gleaning stuff because like i don't know that's kind of what matters in the end is just how people felt uh after playing the game once if i can kind of like see what feelings pop up and are important and aren't important that's the sort of stuff I can like look into as well. So. I used to work at a, a board game company for a little bit, and um, every Thursday we would do like a board game night after work. And usually it would be like we'd work till like seven or eight p.m. and we like from eight to like eleven, like or something like that. You know, we would play some games, publish games, and it was always a fun activity to be like someone brought a game, and then I teach the game. Like I just like set up the game, I how I think it's supposed to be, and teach the game. Uh, or like they bring in one of my, or they set up one of my games and they teach that, you know, just like With, what, like without knowing you? how it actually works. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> like, what are what's in front of you? What have you know? What do you know about this game? And what can you intuit from things like that? It was a really fun exercise. Also a way to flex your muscle of design intuition. And, um, well, you know, that that's just kind of like a luxury cherry on top type of stuff where you have that type of opportunity to do that with people and friends <laughs> and uh, people who love that, honestly, but like, um, yeah, like. Oh. Yeah, no, I like that. That's cool. It is a fun little exercise. Yeah, it's like there are so many other ways to get board game design inspiration that isn't just playing board games. You don't mm-hmm. actually have to. Um, yeah, and I think yeah. some of them are maybe more helpful sometimes. Like that example of like, here's a picture of a game or a game. What do you think the rules are? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jason, just, you, you, yeah, you go out hiking. Oh, you go out hiking or you go walking every day. Mm-hmm. I, I know like a former colleague of mine uh, likes to play video games a lot. And he, they get their source mm-hmm. of inspiration through video games more often mm-hmm. than through yes. playing board games. Yeah. Nothing um, wrong with that. Yeah. I the, Most of the game ideas I have now have nothing to do with games. They come from the most <laughs> random places, like a book I read or... I think of a, th- a random thought and I'm like, that's weird. Board game or, yeah. you know, some sort of game. 
Because, like, if we're going to get artsy, I think a lot of art is, like, conversations with other things in the world and people Mm -hmm. and thoughts and all that sort of stuff. And if we're only ever talking to board games with our board games, (laughs) we're just talking in circles after a while. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, yeah, video games, the world, hiking, people, parties, whatever it is you want to do, art, paintings. Yeah, there's so many other places. In Plus, I think the big thing to remember here is you will never play every board game that you (laughs) need to play, right? If you want to, like, there's just too many. But a huge positive note of this is we are a hive mind, right? There are so many of Mm -hmm. us. We're a community. And so if you've played 50 games, right, which I, I would say is probably average. Most of us have played at least 50 games over the course of our game playing time. I'm sure it's generally much higher than that, but I'm just throwing out a random number. And you know 10 people who've played 50 50 games and at least 20 of those were different. Suddenly, you've got hundreds of games Mm -hmm. that everybody's played to where you can be helping one another, you know. Plus, there are so many games I've played where somebody's like, have you thought about this game? And I'm like, no, but I've played it. So that's stupid. (laughs) You know, I mean, (laughs) there's no guarantee you're going to remember it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I actually have stats on how many games I've played. 160. Wow. I do not have stats. I have probably... That's a lie, Connor. Almost as many games... games that I own. (laughs) So maybe bump it up a little bit, but, like... That's that's what my app says. (laughs) Sorry, I have the board game stats app, but I never use it, so I don't know. I've used it, like, twice. I just like the charts. Ashwin's played two games. Yeah. Let's see. This year, to date, I've I've played 124 hours of games. Wow. And I was just thinking, okay, so I've done, let's pretend it's the end of the year, because it's a few weeks ahead of where it actually is. 124 hours, right. Okay. So the other part of this I wanted to talk about is how many hours of playtested games have I done? I think I've got, so we usually do like a weekly meetup in person which is three to four hours a week-ish, let's say. And then I do another one online, which is another three hours. So six hours a week, right? Huh? I'm jealous of that. Tell me more. You're in, you're, you're <laughs> in both of those. <laughs> and then there's, I was like, wait, am I, I'm tired. Um, and then there's, other random stuff. So let's just say we got seven hours of playtesting a week, just to fudge the numbers a bit. Multiply that by fifty-two weeks. What do we got? Three hundred and fifty hours, right? So if we're, if I'm just doing up on my in like napkin math, I got one hundred and twenty-four hours of published games and three hundred and fifty hours of playtesting games. Oh so I play like seventy-five percent, quote unquote, bad, broken games, right? And I was also curious, how do you all think about how that's affecting us? <laughs> As, playtesting? Yeah, like, how, that much playtesting in comparison to, to like, published games. Because wow. we can get kind of stuck in that sometimes. Because that's the other... I Sometimes I'm like, I don't actually know what's going on in the world of board games right now. Because I'm off in Seattle game design's weird niche that we've all gone into right now. <laughs> like, when everyone starts picking up, like, random little deduction trick taker sort of things or we all spin off into actually i'm doing 18 card games this month mm-hmm. wow 
Damn. Not to That's pick on your game. Wow. Um, just unless you want to go first, I can go. No, go right ahead. I was just saying that's a lot of playtesting. Please, by all means. Yeah. I feel like I want to start. I, I want a tangent before I get to my, arrive at my, like my, my point here, but I'm not going to. I'll, I'll be. Oh, you can. We love the, tangents. So tangent away if you but want then to. I'll, I'll switch it up midstream and I'll like <laughs> tangent and then distract you with, uh, you know, hand waves. And, I'm in. Uh, I'm in. Okay, cool. Um, I am current. I currently unearth a game that I have put into the bottom of the, of like, I put basically put it in the incinerary. Um, I've unearthed it uh, because of what I felt like a successful playtest from some other's game design that really sparked interest in what I was doing in the intentions of what I was doing in a game, of, like my one of my first games ever. Right. Um, I remember playing um, like a two-player like uh, Magic the Gathering style game, and it completely made me made me just like go in this rabbit hole of oh, what if I did this with this idea or this and that? I can spend, and I will spend, and I will continue to spend hours, copious amounts of time, playtesting other people's designs. It's research for me, but it's also like a way to improve my own skill set of what can I intuit, what can I um, appreciate, what can I um, glean off of for also future designs and also just like how can I be a friend and an aide and an assistant and a mentor potentially to pay it forward uh, for those who are coming into the fold um, so I adore playtesting for that fact and um, sometimes yeah you can get into like a three hour like nonsense uh, carousel of well, this is a really bad game, but I have to stick it out because we kind of we put our whole <laughs> schedule aligned for making this happen, and this is uh, well, it does happen, and it does happen to me too, or with me, and it happens all the time. But um, like, I think it 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 uh, it aids. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it distracts. The only thing is like you uh, math minds and you data heads would say is that it's time. It's a resource. It's a it's mm-hmm. a commodity. And your time is very valuable. And could you spend that just selfishly putting it into your own projects and, you know, uh, other means? My answer is, well, it's how you want to do with your time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just also think sometimes I I wonder in the back of my head, are, since I don't play as many published games and I play a ton of playtested, quote unquote, not there yet bad games, is my bar for what's a good game or not in a weird spot? You know? Um, yeah. does, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, because our definitions are going to be in, in, in very, very different. I think I even told a, a, a mutual friend, like, Connor, your game's designs and my game designs could be very similar in, in, in moments, but, like, our tastes are very different. And um, our taste, because I've been evolving as a game designer, game player, where I play all the games, I go to all the conventions that are super niche and or not, just to see what's out there. And then that completely, completely, like, locks into my brain for my design tastes, right? So, Mm -hmm. like, then I got spun into a web of Mm trick-taking. And um, what do I know about trick-taking? Well, I've played a thousand games, but what do I actually know, you know? How can I distill it into a game design? I have yet to succeed or conceive a thing that I think works in that regard. 
and the way that you you spun it like do i you said something like you, you have like a small test or you have like a, a game that's like light and is that all it is to make a good game and i think you know our, your mileage may vary sometimes like those heavy games present a lot of remarkable um design mechanisms and innovative like you know side get games and quests but like really they're just a lot of little mini games and then you have to get through all that chunk of work just to experience a small little thing at the end and that's mm -hmm. like you know is yeah. that worth it you know our published game is the bar for published games even correct yeah <laughs> no no <laughs> it's so subjective yeah. it's so subjective i still i've said this before and i still argue the best game to ever be designed whatever that is probably never was published because yeah. the, i mean there's just yeah that... so maybe it's helpful then to go play published games because then we can be like ah our games are pretty good actually <laughs> the um oh yeah something i think you said connor but i'm not 100% on that um was uh like like what's our bar? like how do we know our games are good right like like or how or something to that effect. Oh, like if we're I playing heard. so many places third games and we don't look at like what's the the quote unquote good published games. Right. How do we how do we quite compare? Right. And like I was never I had such a like the revelation of like what we think is good and ready to what other people think is and how different that can be was never more obvious and stark to me than um with uh a game I was working on with, um, well, it was Tiernanog. I can say that with Isaac uh, Shalev, and I was like, "All right, I feel, I feel like, like we're good on this. Like this game is tight. It's fun. It's doing what it needs to do." And uh, and um, I was like, "Are we ready to pitch it?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, for sure. We're totally ready to pitch it. You know, we we signed it." And he's like, "I mean, he's like, I said, great. I mean, a little bit of development." He's like, "Oh, I mean, we're probably." gosh, we're probably pushing 80% of the way there. And I thought, what? Like, I thought this game was pretty much done. Like, I thought we needed a couple <laughs> tweaks, but, like, I thought we were pretty much done, you know? And he was right because they, mm -hmm. they did a bunch of development on it, and it's 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 even better now, um, you know? But I was pretty happy with where it was at and thought it just needs a little, little more, right? Just a little mm -hmm. something, maybe – five percent more or whatever you know and and that was and here's the thing that actually might have been correct right like that five percent of effort you put into it might have made the game be great uh go from good to great um but now maybe that you know 20 percent extra made the game go from good to great to greater right but like but we don't know right like by whose by whose standards right like <laughs> I don't know. The whole Basically. idea of judging and saying this is good, this is not as good, this is boggles my mind because it's it's so incredibly subjective that it's it's yeah. basically meaningless. Yeah. I guess I also just think like it is meaningless, but it, it also is tricky. It is easy when you're in a little playtesting group bubble to kind of just kind of circle and feedback loop yourself a little bit. So mm -hmm. sometimes you do need to break out and play a published game just to see like what's the rest of the world look like right now. Yeah, that's <laughs> let's fair. let's let's not keep spiraling down the drain here 
and accidentally like iterating stuff into the ground because we don't know what's going on anymore. Yeah. Um, but I also agree. It's all, it is all meaningless. So it's like, I'm trying to balance the, I want to make sure I'm aware of the world out there, but also I don't really need to, but also I just want to have a quick peek outside. <laughs> like, and it's too cold. Sense. So you go back in. Yeah. Yeah. I, but now I know it's cold. So yeah. inside's better. <laughs> yeah. Our, uh, the silo thing is hilarious because that's like the one note that I took as something just to talk about is like we yeah. get into our little silo we talk about uh, you know design principles to each other and then we are starting to like um, not just like say the same things but like start designing similar games mm -hmm. it's kind of funny and sometimes in design circles that happens you know I want to uh, be a part of privy to all design circles because I want to see what other groups of around the world are doing and it was sometimes easier to do online when, like, um, mm -hmm. you know, they have those, like, online groups or, like, um, online sessions weekly, monthly, um, much uh, rarer now. And um, uh, I would say, like, there is a topic that could be talk discussed is, like, are we ahead? If Are, are we behind? Are we in line mm -hmm. with trends of games? Well, we don't know the first thing about like marketing and what's actually happening, <laughs> what's coming into Kickstarter in 2077. But some people do, and some of those people are designing games in these circles, and these circles are kind of feeding off each other into like Kickstarter projects or to mark, you know, uh, games to market projects, and um, you know, yeah. those kind of belts, uh, conveyor belts of design uh, designers. Uh, it'd be great to get like. Uh, to just be a fly on the wall and seeing like what is actually happening because mm -hmm. i think my my answer to that question is like i think i have no clue of what's <laughs> going to happen in the future of game design mm -hmm. or if like my designs are going to buck that trend or not i have no idea it's like but that's partially why i'm a designer and not a you know a publisher, a publisher. or marketer or anything you know <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting because like our games are in conversation and being inspired by more the other games we're playtesting with, which will come out in maybe three years time or never. Yeah. So. Yeah. Can you map that? Yeah, right. it's like we're we're being inspired by stuff that is three years in the future, mm -hmm. and also like three years in the past, right? Because of the games that just came out. So, like, our inspiration's never really coming from the same spot. So, like, when things get released, it's like, oh, you were clearly inspired by that thing that came out last year. It's like, ne never heard of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> never yeah. saw it. Or you're actually, like, actually, no, I was inspired by this thing that never, never saw the light yeah. of day. <laughs> yeah. Well, we saw a wingspan, and then we saw a bunch of wingspans. You know, we saw yeah. a Cascadian, and then we saw a lot of Cascadians. You know? And it's like, is that because they all changed their theme at the last minute, or is that because those designers are in the same group with each other, and all of them happen to get released at the same time? Uh, yeah. Because yeah. I feel like I see both sometimes. I'm sure, yeah, both seem incredibly possible, for like, sure. I know my Hedge Mage, uh, whenever it comes out, I think maybe next year-ish, um, it's got the whole circular players giving stuff to each other thing in a big circle. And there's Whirling Witchcraft that came out that does a very, not a very similar thing, but like it does the same concept of like passing stuff around between players. Um, and that came out after <laughs> I've signed Hedge Mage. But Hedge Mage is going to come out like three years later <laughs> than it. And people are going to be like, oh, look. Wow. I'm like, 
nope sorry don't know don't know about it because <laughs> we're three years behind <laughs> so that's where our, that's where inspiration is coming from but yeah anyway. cool any additional thoughts here i was gonna say speaking of ashwin not wanting to be a publisher um... yeah that's a good transition i like that <laughs> so good convo speaking of ashwin not wanting to be a on. publisher hey Tell us about a game you're working on and stuff. Yeah, um, there's a game that I'm working uh, with um, uh, Rob Newton, uh, formerly of Coin Flip Games, uh, uh, now part of a coalition, a collaborative, a collective called The Urban Professionals. Uh, and I might have even botched that name, but it's probably Urban Professionals uh, Games. And... Um, it's a company that's starting, uh, and we're debuting with a game called Chicken Fried Dice, um, designed on name alone, <laughs> uh, several years in the making, um, for uh, a dice game where you it's there's like simul- there's like different phases. One phase is kind of like a simultaneous real time like drafting phase, uh, which I don't see very often, and then there's the roll and write phase uh, where you're literally taking the dice that you have taken out of this like shared pool and then assign them to uh, basically fulfill orders at a food festival to see who has the best chicken in town. Um, I love pitch this. Done. It's uh, Roll and Write, which apparently <laughs> you like Roll and Write games. Um, Only ones that work in a certain way. Yeah. And this one works <laughs> in a slightly different way. Well, then it's, with it's a probably crap. It's with a little twist. And... Um, yeah, um, uh, Rob, designer of Sonora, is another uh, very interesting roll and write game where it's actually a flick and write game, and you're playing kind of crokinole with area control with set collection. It's kind of phenomenal, and I really wish more people had a chance to play that game because um, it is such a delight. But um, um, yeah, we we were pitching this game, and uh, what we're getting as a response in 2023, we got a response in 2020, <laughs> and we were like, hey, well, this is uh, kind of dying or kind of like stalling on us. What if we just start a company and self-publish? And I think self-publish has a, it's a lot of challenges. It's, a, it's probably going to be a full-time job to some extent, but um, we get to learn that part of the industry. So this is going to help with future game design because what we are learning is price points and uh, <laughs> like landing costs and price per uh, uh, cost of goods and like oh well maybe we shouldn't put more dice in this game. I was just saying how many put... dice are in the do game? Do you remember when it had 80 dice or something? Do you remember when it had 200 <laughs> dice? Because <laughs> I do. It was such a good time and that's the fun time when it's like anything is possible as like Kevin Garnett said as you want a championship, but we're not winning championships. <laughs> we're winning your cash, maybe in a Kickstarter coming soon at the end of 2024 or not. I, I kind of feel like with 200 dice, you were really like, well, the theme is rice. So we're going to need as many <laughs> dice, dice as there were pieces of rice. <laughs> I love that. Actually, yeah. when I said chicken fried dice, what came to mind? You said rice. Y- yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> some people say steak. 
Chicken fried steak. Well, that doesn't rhyme though. So <laughs> those people are objectively wrong because yeah. it doesn't rhyme. Unless that was your intention, in which case I apologize. We You're still wrong, but I apologize. <laughs> yeah. You can be both beautiful and wrong, Ashwin. I love how the thing that like made the game work uh, because I've I've playtested a bunch of versions of this was was the like. (laughs) Oh my gosh! I apologize right there. (laughs) Sorry for you playing my games. Um, No, I was when you did just be like, actually, we're going to make this a real time dice drafting portion of the game, which is like such not a roll and write thing. Yeah, I was like, yeah. This is what this game needed because it kept just being a roll and write. And then you threw that part in and everything just fell together perfectly. And now there's this absurd mad dash for dice at the beginning and then you get all the wrong ones. <laughs> You're sad and everyone's hangry and they get pissed off at you and they leave. <laughs> yep. It's good time. Exactly. So, yeah. So, bit of a wait on that. But, uh... I wish you luck with it because that, you know, managing a game with 700 dice, that is going to be a lot of, um, you know, that's a lot of dice. Are they all, are they all, all, um, are all the dice custom? I hope so. I hope they're all different. Every $50, which is every pledge, because this game is probably going to be $89. So actually every every $90, we add one die. I love it. I so love it. Get those fresh goals going. You know, I mean, listen, like, if you're getting 700, what, 1,200 dice in a game, like, it seems fair that $90 is a really good deal. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's such a good deal. Shipping is going to be real pricey. But, I mean, that's all right because, you know, backer pays uh, at time of shipping. So, yeah. I love it. You a know, brick of dice. Yes. <laughs> We we uh we started a company. It's called Chessex. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny. Perfect. Yeah. What started out as like a tableau builder um, with cards um, transitioned pretty uh, seamlessly into six dice with unique faces on all face on all faces. Transitioned so seamlessly into two hundred dice. And then we trim down, then we trim the fat, then we trim the fat down. But um, yeah, really happy with where it's at right now. And, um, you know, all the people at Pax and Plug just couldn't get enough of it. <laughs> yeah, I hope I so. Could, I couldn't even see the table. There's so many people around it. So or just, people. you know, I mean, you to close your eyes and visualize. when you're talking about 1900 dice piled at a table, I mean, like, it's yeah. just, it's a lot of dice. That was only half of a copy as well. I couldn't right. fit on yeah. the table. Yeah. And we had you two know? copies. We had a right. 50 pound limit, so we had to carry we had to ship it right. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. With a twenty three hundred and seventeen dice per copy, yeah. That's a lot. That is a lot of dice. Um I look forward to seeing it though, uh, or look forward to having seen it in the past uh at Pax Unplugged. Because I feel like I would have loved it. Um, you know. Yeah. And uh what's nice about a game that has thirty two hundred dice is that I could easily have stolen some and you wouldn't even know because what are you going to count, oh, no, count them? Like no, every time? Them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Every time, every yeah. time. Yeah. Cause they fit order. perfectly back into the like massive <laughs> shipping container. It comes the shipping container, right? <laughs> so. Yeah. One copy per boat. <laughs> I think we've succeeded. If we can get one copy per boat. 
it's going to be great. It's going to be great. This is going to be a really, really well-produced game. I'm excited about it, personally. Uh, I think it's going to be great. Now you told me yesterday. <laughs> I still I still wish or hope you go with my suggestion of making the uh, dice uh, raw chicken colored. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I literally thought you were saying, like, I hope you take my suggestion of making the dice out of raw chicken. And I was like, I'm pretty yeah. confident. Well, mm, you that... could encase it in resin. Mm. You could, and I mean, that's not expensive with one die, let alone, you know, 3,700. So, like, it'll be all right. (laughs) Oracle Bonanza is a pretty uh, solid uh, uh, dice game, and it has two shades of white. And Mm. they're very distinct, and you need to know, but they aren't distinct to the naked eye. It's white (laughs) and, like, off-white, and it's hilarious. Um, Oh, boy. Huh? natural <laughs> all right well on that note i appreciate <laughs> both of y'all coming on here and hanging out with me tonight this was a fun conversation uh a good start for episode 600 plus to be awesome uh but yeah is there uh do you have any uh ways people can get a hold of you um you know home you got like a phone number you want to give out or you know that sort of thing yeah. we'll both be at pax unplugged which is not helpful um, <laughs> I know you we just did this whole joke about this. Unplugged? We just did this whole joke about this, and then I forgot that it was. Yeah, okay, ignore me. <laughs> I'm on the Discord. That's it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm a board game gee on various uh, socials that you'll probably have to mute me on because I'm learning how to promote my game. <laughs> I was in a video. That you were was in a video. cool. You you had just a fresh cut of hair. You look I know. pretty good, my friend. I'm ready for Pax Unplugged. <laughs> yeah. All right, y'all. And we'll be at uh, OrcaCon as well in January. Oh, yeah. Cool. Or is it really going to be chicken fried OrcaCon? Orca fried steak. OrcaCon rice. <laughs> OrcaCon yeah. rice. Orca fried steak. Oof. Well, hey, builders, I hope you enjoyed listening to us three yahoos talk about stuff. Hope you found it stimulating, and I hope it made you decide to either want to play way more games or way less games or no games at all or as many games as you feel like playing. So uh, with that being the case, uh, if you want to find Building the Game, you can go to buildinggamepodcast.com. You can email us at buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com. You can also just come to the Discord. That is really the best place to find us. It's the best. It's awesome. But until next time, good night. Good night. Bye. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. The end of the episode, that's when it technically ends.